0: I was praying about and thinking about what this service would look like today, I really sensed the Lord put a burden on my heart that in order for us as a church to go into the new year as the the, the new you, that we first need to meet with Him and allow Him to shape who we are. We've had a year of God's grace. We can look back at this year of evidence of His grace over and over and over again. I thought that it would only be right that we chose today to to reserve this entire service to the praise and worship and glory of Him. I've been learning a lot this past year on the subject of prayer. Uh, prayer has become a theme in my life that I feel like I was missing, or I was just dabbling into, or I wasn't giving the full treatment that I feel like the subject of prayer uh, deserves. One book that I read this year that really impacted me in a profound way is this little book on prayer, and that's, that's what it's called, it's a little book on prayer, which we all need in some way. And this tagline says, how praying together shapes the church. And why I found that to be powerful from John Anwuchekwa, he says that oftentimes when we think about the subject of prayer, it's always an individual thing. We think, okay, I need to pray and get alone by myself and go in my prayer closet and lift my heart to the Lord. Now that's not wrong, but that's not the only way to pray. There's something special about praying together, about coming together to meet to have a meeting and what's on the agenda to pray. I've been learning about the power of the prayer meeting. John Anwachekwa, in his book, he talks about the prayer meeting. He says it like this. He says, prayer is a collective exercise. The prayer meeting isn't meant to be a theme park. It's more like a storage facility. And we're all cars without trunks. We were never meant to store our concerns within ourselves we were meant to offload those things to God. The prayer meeting isn't a place of attraction, but a place of necessity. It's a place where people come with burdens and they leave without them because they've been placed in God's hands. Amen. He says, here we come together to lean on God with each other for the sake of each other. And then he asked this question that, cha- that challenged me. He said, where's that p- place and that space in your church? Where's that space here at Walk Church? And I know for us, we have space on the first Wednesday of every month where we do a prayer meeting, but I must bring this report to you today that the prayer meeting at our church is the least attended thing that we do. We have a lot of events and a lot of cool things that we do at Walk Church and Sunday is one of them. But the one with the least amount of momentum and the least amount of attendance I seem to have been is the prayer meeting and I'm curious to know why that's the case because there's so much awesome stuff that happens in the prayer meeting so here's what I said if that's gonna be the case we're just gonna bring it to you all right (laughs) and we're gonna make today a prayer meeting and maybe you've been thinking you know what I don't know if I want to do that because maybe it's uncomfortable or you're not quite sure what a prayer meeting is like and so today we'd like for you to experience what that looks like for us in our church Author and pastor John Franklin says it like this when he describes a prayer meeting. He says, the greatest workings of God come by corporate prayer. Corporate meaning together, meaning one another. He doesn't say come by individual prayer, but by coming together for the purpose of prayer. He says, we will not see the power of God in sufficient measure to transform the world around us until we pray together, walk church family. God and his sovereignty has determined that something happens when we pray together that transcends praying separately. If we believe that to be true, and I think that there's truth to it, I think there's biblical truth to it, that what we're doing here today is special and powerful. I'll leave you just with one more quote. It comes from one of my heroes in the faith, Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers from London. He once said it like this in the 1800s. He said, the condition of the church May be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a graceometer, and from it we may judge of the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, join me in saying that say, if God be near a church, it must pray. Come on, one more time. If God be near a church, it must pray. He goes on in his old English way. He says, If he be not there, one of thy first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in prayer. So begin to sense where's the Lord at? How come I don't sense his closeness? How come I don't sense his presence? How come I don't sense his nearness? He says, One of the evidence of his absence will be our prayer meeting prayer life. And so I hope that I've convinced you just with a few quotes and from your own conviction that the subject of prayer is powerful and important. It's not because praying is powerful, but it's who we're praying to that is powerful. Jesus opens up in the Sermon on the Mount by teaching us how to pray. We find it in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus gives us some short instructions on what this time could look like. He says, when you're praying, Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He says, pray then in this way. This is when all of us should like really focus in, right? Jesus moves from telling us how to not pray. He says, don't just be repetitive over and over again, over and over again, but actually be specific and be intentional. In the content of your prayers, he says, pray then in this way. He says, our Father who is in heaven. He says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This prayer for deliverance, this prayer for of glory to God, this prayer that says, God, give us our daily bread, our daily need. And then Jesus concludes this prayer with this statement. And in some of our translations, you'll find it, and some of them you won't. You'll find it most times in brackets because many manuscripts in the the early day didn't contain this last section of Jesus' prayer. Some did, so we're not completely sure if it was in there or not, but it might've been, so we'll go ahead and use it today in brackets for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen Jesus teaches us this is how to pray church to get God centered and to lift your hearts to him and then move out and to start presenting your needs and your own life to him and then moving to pray for others even and then praying against the enemy we see him start off in Matthew 6 talking about it like this he says pray then in this way our Father." Everybody say, our Father. Our Father. Now notice, Jesus could have started his prayer off with any type of greeting, right? Or any type of statement. Our Lord, our God, our King, Yahweh, Elohim. He could have said, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. He could have said all these different ways to to open his prayer. But notice what he says. He says, our Father. And that struck me and I hope it strikes you too because we need to first understand the relationship of prayer. We're not just shooting prayers off to some God in the sky. We're not just shooting a prayer off to some outer space being. Let me tell you who we're talking to when we pray. Say it with me, our Father, right? John O says it like this in his book. He says that we should be amazed by this reality. Do you see how astonishing this is? Our Father listens and inclines his ear to us. We see that in Psalm 5. He he shows us compassion despite our flaws and weaknesses, Psalm 103. Our Father covers us with his love even though we deserve his wrath. I didn't hear amen, come on somebody. That's a good word, Romans chapter eight tells us. Our Father takes care of our needs, amen. He gives us good gifts, not bad gifts but he gives us good gifts. Our Father even disciplines us in love for our good, for our good. What a privilege it is to call God our Father. It's a good reminder to say, you know what? You're not just God. You're God our Father. Not just my Father, but our Father, amen? This is a collective prayer meeting prayer, our Father, who, where does he live? In heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. Now, this reminds me that we move from the goodness of God as our Father to the bigness of God who's in heaven. Like, wow, you're from heaven? Like, what we know about heaven is that heaven is really, 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 really big and really, really awesome and set apart and holy and righteous. God says, that's where I'm at. That's my house, that's my home. He goes, I, I, I spend time with you, but I'm in heaven. And that should remind me that God is the sovereign ruler and powerful being over all of us, that we should really bring our requests to our God who is in heaven. He says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed meaning holy, set apart in, its, in a class of its own. God is one of one. We're all in the, 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 the hundreds and the thousands. God is a one-of-one one God. He is hallowed be his name. Holy, righteous, set me apart from anybody else and everybody else. Hallowed be my name, he says. So when we think about who we're approaching here today, think about this big God. And here's why I say that. Because sometimes we, we're tempted to think that our problems are too big for God. Or our circumstances are too big for God. Are like God's really big but not enough to change me not enough to take away my addiction not enough to help bring to life a marriage or to provide in ways that are maybe naturally impossible but supernaturally possible for God this right here tells us that we're going to the one in heaven who's our father who's set apart but He continues, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what Jesus did is he just brought heaven down to earth. Right? Jesus in his prayer that he models for us is, all right, God, I want you to take your kingdom now and I want you to plant that kingdom in my life. What a prayer to say, God, do what you do in me. Take your heavenly king in kingdom, and let that be done right here on earth, right here on the ground, right here in the middle school. Bring the kingdom into our lives, amen? That's this type of prayer that God is, is calling us to pray. We see in Isaiah chapter 66, this reminder of the bigness of God. It says, this is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool, I just want you to imagine God, right? He's in heaven, and he's got his feet up. And what's his feet? I'm like, it's just God just getting a pedicure in the ocean. <laughs> that's how big he is, amen? This says, the earth. That's my footstool. I'm a big, big God. He said, where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? God has made you. He knows you he's made everything that that you could think of declares the Lord these are the ones I look on with favor God will take his own spiritual eyes and he'll look on these people those who are humble humble meaning I need you God humble meaning I need your word more than my word I need your relationship more than any physical relationship. I need your presence more than any other type of presence, right? I need your word, your power, your strength, your grace. I need all of you and all of me. That's the the humble and contrite spirit. The contrite spirit says, I'm broken, God, but you can heal me. I'm struggling, but you can make it happen. Who tremble at my word, who say, God, your word is enough. Your grace is enough. So we see just, just a couple components of the prayer life that are on display for us, that we can learn from and grow from. I'll finally close this time with just one more quote that will lead us into a time of prayer. It comes from author and pastor Tim Keller. He says it like this. He says, It's remarkable that in all of his writings of Paul's prayers for his friends, they contain no appeal for changes in their circumstances. Here's why I share that with you, is because as we go to God in prayer, that he's the one that changes our circumstances. Amen? Like we can go before him in prayer and just a meeting with God alone can change our lives. I, when we pray, we're not just praying, God, change this person's circumstance. No, change this person's relationship with you because you change circumstances. And as we change, as we become the new For 2019, we'll see circumstances change because God's going to step in and move. So I want us to take this moment right now. We've talked about prayer. We've read about prayer. But now I want us to do it. Everybody just say, just do it. Just do it. And we're going to move into a time of prayer right now. I'm going to invite some of our prayer leaders and pastors to be at the front. This is an opportunity, if you wanna come down and pray with a pastor or a leader, you have the opportunity to. I'm gonna turn this area in the front into an altar where you can just bring something to the Lord. Bring yourself, bring your heart, bring your confessions, bring your burdens and just lift it up to him. If you wanna pray with somebody, we'll be here. But let's take this time right now. Let's stand, let's worship, let's sing and let's take this time together to lift our hearts to the Lord.
1: So we shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing great are you Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing great
2: God, you are incredible, and you have blessed us so greatly. God, I pray that we would just continue in the spirit of prayer and glorify your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You can take a seat. And again, we, we just want to continue in the spirit of prayer. If, if you don't hear anything I say and just want to continue to commune with the Lord, by all means. But the song we just sang... It's one of my favorite songs. Uh, It reminds me of my relationship with my father. The first house that me and my wife built was a fixer-upper, so there was always projects to be done, and so we were always working all the time. And so I would call my dad, and I was like, hey, this is what I'm wanting to do, um, but I don't have any tools. You know that, um, so I need to borrow something. And so dad was always faithful, just, hey, it's in the shop. It's right in this spot. I know it is because he had everything in his spot. So I would go take it and I would uh, take it home and and finish the project, whatever I wanted to do. And something I was very good at was borrowing tools. Something I was very bad at was returning tools. And so almost always I would complete the project and then go on and celebrate that that I finished it. And and dad would typically call me a month or two later and he would say, hey hey son, I'm wanting to do um, this and that and and I really need uh, my miter saw that you borrowed. Do You think I could use that? And my heart would always sink and I'm thinking, I need to drop everything I'm doing to make sure I go and get that. Of course you can use that, it's yours. And that's so much more true with the song that we just sang. God, it's your breath in my lungs. How dare I hold back any praise from you? God, it's your car, it's your house, it's your family. God, every single bit of it is yours and I will not hold back any bit of it from you because it's all his. Psalm 27, 24, it says it, this, it says the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. Whenever we begin to know that and believe that and understand that, it changes us. It does two things for us. First, it calls us to worship God and praise him for everything because it's all his. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. And that's what we just did. We, we praised God for who he was, who he is. The second thing that it causes us to do is that it causes us to depend on God for everything. Because in, in this world of, of savings accounts and 401ks, um, we do a lot of depending on ourselves. But the reality is none of it's ours. It's all his. And so whenever we begin to have a right view of God, that everything's His. It in turn gives us a right view of self, that we need God for everything, that we have to depend on Him, the very breath in our lungs. And so I want us to go into this next year um, saying, God, I pray that you would increase my dependence on you. I'm gonna gonna pray uh, just a, a minute or two right here. And I want you to join me in prayer. You don't have to listen to me because I'm not praying to you. I'm praying to the God of the universe that answers prayers. So would you join me in praying, him saying, saying, God, I, I need more of you. I need to depend more on you in my finances, in my life, in my relationships. Because, God, it's all yours. I need to depend on you for that. Lord, you are good. And, God, you have so richly blessed each and every one of us with so much. God, help us to use everything for your honor and your glory. God, help help me and everyone in this room to stop seeing um, things as, as, as our car or our house or, or our finances, God, it's yours. Help us to no longer think about what what small portion we can give back to you, but, but how we can make it all yours and give it all back to you. How we can use everything you've blessed us with to bring you honor and glory. God, help us. Help us. Because everything is yours. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And you really see that in Matthew chapter six. In verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread. And you even see this back in the Old Testament when the Israelites, when God rescued them out of Egypt, God gave them manna from heaven, but he wouldn't allow them to store it up. He wouldn't allow them to save for themselves. He said, you're gonna have to depend on me every single day. And that's what Jesus is calling us to in his prayer. said, so we have to depend on God every day. The next verse, in verse 12, it says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, that's a, a bold claim because you're, you're claiming to God, hey, I'm forgiven all the people that sinned against me. Can you pray that this morning? When I, when I hear that phrase, it always uh, brings me to Matthew chapter 18, a story there, um, it's called the, the unforgiving servant. What the story is, this master um, had a servant that owed him 10,000 talents. And so the master goes to the servant and says, hey, I need you to pay up today. He says, you know what? I just need a couple of more days and I'll be able to get that to you. He says, I tell you what, I'm feeling gracious. I'm going to cancel your debt and you're free to go. So the servant is thankful and then he leaves. And he sees another servant that actually owed him 100 denarii. And he says to that servant, he says, hey, I'm gonna need you to pay me today. He said, I I can't pay you today, I need a few more days. He said, no, you're going to jail until you can pay me. And that's absolutely absurd. And because what I've always heard growing up is that that, um, the first servant, he owed millions of dollars. Second servant owed like a couple of dollars. But the reality is even much greater than that. I I wanna show you a couple of things um, real quick is that one denarii, one denarius was equivalent to one day's wage for a servant. So 100 denarii was equivalent to 100 days wage, a third of a person's annual salary. Now I don't know many people that could just kind of cough that up on a whim, but the reality is this guy was actually sinned, bit, sinned against pretty greatly. I mean, if I loaned somebody half of my sal- I mean, a third of my salary and, and expected that back and didn't get it, that, that's being sinned, bit, sinned against pretty greatly but I want to take it a step farther. One talent is 6,000 denarii. So 10,000 talents is 60 million days wage. Let me me put that in here, 60 million days wage. That's over 160,000 years. So when that first servant, he says, hey, I just need a couple of more days and I'm gonna be able to pay this off. He couldn't have done it in a thousand more lifetimes. That's how large the debt was. So so even though he was sinned against greatly, it paled in comparison to what he was forgiven. And that is so much more true with us and our heavenly father. He has forgiven each and every one of you greatly. And he calls us to forgiveness. So who is it in your life that you're harboring bitterness against? That maybe even when you hear your name, you even just wish a little bit of misfortune on them. It upsets you when you hear that they've done good. Who are you harboring unforgiveness against? Because you don't need to take that into 2019. You don't need to take that um, further than today. Because God's, in his model prayer to us, Jesus says, "Um, we've forgiven all those that have sinned against us. Can you pray that today? So we're gonna go in time of prayer here in just a minute. And if there's anybody in your life that you need to forgive, we pray that you would do that today. Maybe you just need to forgive them in your heart. Maybe that even looks like a text message you need to send. Or maybe you need to step out and make a phone call or you even need to leave and make that right today. We pray that you would do that during this time. Maybe as we sing, Lord, I need you, you just need to declare your dependence on him, saying, God, I've been trying to do it on my own for a long time, but God, I can't. I'm gonna give it all to you. I'm gonna end with this quote. It says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna enter a time of just worship and prayer so you respond to the Lord in whichever way you see fit. God, you have forgiven me so greatly. God, I've sinned against you this morning. And God, your your mercies are new every day. God, I pray that you would forgive me for laziness. God, for for lustful thoughts, for, for not serving and loving my wife well. God, I pray that you would forgive me for for anyone in my life that have any unforgiveness towards. God, I pray that that you would not allow anyone in this room to sleep if they haven't forgiven someone. God, I pray that that, that you would set people free this morning, that you would allow them to forgive the the absentee father, Lord, the the ex-spouse or the estranged child or the the terrible boss. God, I pray that, that you would allow forgiveness to reign in this place this morning. Because, God, we need you. Every hour, we need you and we love you. We pray these things in Jesus'
1: name.
0: If anybody needs prayer at all, we're down here. We'd love to pray with you. The altars are open. Let's respond to God.
1: I find my rest And without you I fall apart Oh God, how
0: moment of worship maybe with your eyes closed think about the areas that that you need God most in God I need you when I open your word God I need you when I go into prayer God I need you in the morning time I need you in the afternoon time I need you in the night time God I need you at at the workplace Lord I need you when temptation comes my way Lord, I need you. And just hear God's response this morning. You have me. God is saying, you have me. You have access to me through Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
3: Lord, we do need you. When we pray, we're simply saying, God, I need you. When Jesus said, when you pray, say. Our Father in heaven, you're holy. That's saying, I need you. I I recognize who you are and who I'm not. I need you. When we pray, we're saying, God, I need you. That's humility. When we don't pray, it often comes from pride. That's the case in my own life. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Uh, During the first service, I started out by taking a minute to acknowledge our pastor, Pastor Hyden, and how God has used him in my life and in the life of Walk Church in each of our lives. Pastor uh, told us a few minutes ago when we greeted each other, to pick a highlight from 2018 and, and share it with each other. And the first thing that came to my mind was what God has done in my life this year through Pastor Hyden and through Walk Church. That's what came into my mind. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. I truly thank God for your life. This year, I've, I've got a chance to know you better and to see your walk with God and to know it's authentic, it's real, it's transparent, and I've appreciated that, and it has helped me grow. So, thank you. Amen. Amen. On Christmas morning, three of my grandkids came downstairs with matching T-shirts on, and it said, I'm in it for the presents. And so I saw something different. and I said to them right away, you mean presence or presents? You know, P-R-E-C-E-N. And and so they were like, huh, huh? You know, and they didn't get it. And I shared it with my kids when they came down and my daughter-in-law, nobody got it. So all day long, I kept going back, I kept saying, I'm in it for the presence. And they'd say, me too. And they didn't know I was talking about his presence. His presence. You know, as about 15 years ago, uh, God began to speak something in my wife's heart. And she it, it, ha- it happened three days in a row while she was making the bed in the morning. And she kept getting these thoughts, the king or the kingdom. And she came and shared it with me and then the next day and the third day. After the third day, she said, I know what it is. God is speaking to me. Are you in it for what you can get from the kingdom or are you in it for me, the king? See, the king or the kingdom. The presence or the presence. Amen. Hey i'm in it for the presence pastor hayden said something this morning he said that he he is praying that we would increase in god's presence in 2019 that's my prayer today in 2010 i was in a remote village in africa no electricity no running water no internet no cell phone service i was with my dear friend joseph oday i call him little joseph One of our dear sons of the church asked me afterwards, how old is little Joseph? And I said, oh, he was about 27. He said, oh, I thought he was like six. No, Joseph O'Day was about 27. I had seen him come to the Lord and seen him grow. We were serving together in a remote area, actually working with two communities, watching two churches be raised up. And I fell really sick, sickest I've ever been in my life. I was misdiagnosed. It took about a week to find out that I had typhoid. Now, typhoid is very treatable today, but because it went on so long, oh, I was sick. I was deathly sick, sickest I've ever been in my life. was losing my vision, my hearing. I couldn't walk. I was literally bedridden, crawling to the bathroom. And so uh, I think it was the fifth or sixth night, Joseph was praying over me in the night and weeping over me, literally crying. His tears were falling on my chest. And I, I remember being so touched thinking, he really loves me. I mean, like his love for me is genuine. He was truly crying out to God, unadulterated prayers, just like calling God to account, saying, God, this is my dad. In Africa, it's a, it's contextual. Because I was his spiritual father, he called me Daddy. And because I was like a father to him, so because we're all related, we're all family, I I wish we would get more of that here in our culture. And so he was saying, this is my daddy. We got work to do. He can't go. And then he said, what about mom, meaning my wife, his spiritual mother? What about mommy? She needs daddy. So you got to heal him. This is Joseph praying and praying. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 middle of the night, one or two in the morning, there's a knock at the door. Even me, I jump up. I'm like, whoa, whoa. And Joseph says, who is that? We hear a voice, it's me, Joseph. This is big Joseph. He's in his late 60s. Big Joseph, little Joseph cracks the door, and Joseph says, where's dad? I need to pray for him. We need to pray for him. And he, and he begins to tell Joseph, little Joseph, God woke me up in a dream and showed me daddy in bed. And said, this is spiritual warfare. We need to pray. And they started praying over me, crying over me. It, it literally broke my heart to see two brothers in the Lord crying out to God on my behalf. And after some hours, the sun rose. And while the sun rose, my all my faculties came back, and I got up from bed, took food, and in an hour I was on the, on the site. Amen. Healed me like that. I was on the site with the rest of the community, working with local materials, erecting a church building. Within hours, only God could do it. It's amazing when you get to a place where you realize all you got is God. You realize all you need is God. But, you know, we came home 12 hours later, and Big Joseph was still sitting outside our door. And I I, I said, Joseph, what's wrong? Why are you here? He said, I'm waiting for you, Dad. Why? He said, I said, have you eaten? He said, no, I'm fasting for you. I'm praying for you. Again, I was so humbled. And then I said, okay, Joseph, what's on your heart? He said, Daddy, God told me to tell you, you don't pray enough. You need to become a man of prayer. And it was true. He was right. Today, still, my biggest problem is I don't pray enough. And and if I'm honest, it's pride. Maybe I think that I've, you know, I'm doing better now. I don't drink or smoke or you know, I don't cuss like I used to. I don't steal. I don't, you know, I don't lie. I don't do all that stuff anymore. I go to church every week. I read my Bible. You see, like I do all that. I was in the mission field in a remote area. God was doing amazing things, and I had a problem. I didn't pray enough. God had to God had to use someone else to tell me and show me through through this illness, you need to become a man of prayer. So I can really work and you can really be in on it. Still to this day, it's my greatest need. The scripture tells us we should pray without ceasing. What does that mean? It just means include God in everything, in every area, in every relationship, in every thought process, in every decision. Just like Moses, God told Moses, I'm sending you out. And Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. Don't send me. All he was saying was, I don't want to make a move without you, God. If you're in it, I'm going. If you ain't with me, I ain't moving. I just want to be with you, God. These days I've been doing some things while the, while the family's in town, and my grandkids keep saying, Grandpa, don't go. Stay home or take me with you. I just want to be with you. Isn't that, isn't that healthy prayer? God, I just want to be with you. I want what you want, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them anything. Any, you could have, could you teach us how to do those miracles? Could you teach us how to heal people, feed people, heal the blind? Could you teach us? But they said, Lord, please teach us to pray. They knew Jesus had an intimacy with the Father that they didn't have. Intimacy. My wife always says, into me, see? Intimacy. Prayer is just communicating with God. You know, I have a a dear brother in Africa came to the Lord and his first prayer was, I'll I'll leave a couple of the words out. It was just raw, but it was beautiful. He he said it this way, darn, Lord. Help me to keep my big mouth shut till I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Isn't that a good prayer? He was just acknowledging, Lord, I think I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know. I want to speak your words. That's what he was saying. When I speak, I want to speak truth. I want to speak something that's edifying, something of value. So help me to hold back. Help me to have self-control until I can say something that's valuable. But he just said, help me keep my big mouth shut until I know what I'm talking about. I pray that prayer all the time now. (laughs) So if you're like me, and you would realize today, you know what? I have the same problem that Gary has. I don't pray enough. Whether it's whatever the reason is, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We get to pray. We get to follow him. We get to serve him. We get to worship him. This is who we are now. Prayer is me relating with my Father, listening to him, responding to him, worshiping him, bringing my heart to him, being real before him. That's prayer. Amen? I wanna pray more this year. I wanna actually become a man of prayer. I wanna be somebody who truly listens to and responds to the Lord. Uh, There's a verse that God used in our lives powerfully. It's from Matthew chapter nine. My wife and I began doing mission trips uh, some years ago and all the missionaries told us across the board the same thing we'd say, what do you need? They'd say, we need more people to help us. They said this, Jesus said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send workers, to send harvesters into the field. My wife and I began to do that. We began to pray that very prayer. God, send more workers into the field. It's amazing that the scripture goes on, the next verse in in Matthew 10, Jesus actually sends them out in answer to the prayer. He sends them out into the field with some instructions to make them God-dependent to watch God work while they go out. And so my wife and I began to pray, and over the years, the Lord Lord gave us this in our hearts. That's a great prayer. Now I sent my son. What are you going to do? And we eventually surrendered and said, here we are, Lord. If you can use anything, then use us. Send us. And he sent us. And God used somebody even like me. Imagine what he could do with you if you'd surrendered. One last thought. This morning after meeting with Pastor Hyden, I walked away and started to pray. I put my hand in my pocket and there was a carpenter's pencil in my dress pants. How it got there, I have no idea. I use carpenter's pencils every day. I use these to mark lines. And I pulled this pencil out and the first thought that came to my mind was a prayer from Mother Teresa. She used to often say, I'm just a pencil in God's hand. I want to be a pencil in God's hand even a a bulky old carpenter pencil. So he writes the story for his glory. How about you? Amen? Amen.
0: You know, one thing that struck me um, as Pastor Gary was teaching there is, and I I know his heart is just such a heart for the nations and for people that are even outside of this room and so if you think about this prayer pattern that we've already prayed, we've, we've, given, we've given glory to God. We've sang, "Greater you, Lord. We've talked about his greatness. We've set him apart. And then we moved into our need, as Pastor Ryan shared, this need for forgiveness, this need to extend forgiveness, this need for our daily bread, our, our, our daily gifts that God gives us, our daily breath in our lungs. But then he moves into saying, praying for others. Praying for others to receive forgiveness, praying for others to experience grace, praying for others to be protected from the evil one. And I want us to go into a time of prayer right now, and, and we'll get ready to close this time of prayer here. And I want us to just set our hearts on praying for others too, praying for the nations. I know Pastor Gary's planted churches in Africa and all around. The globe there, our partnerships all around the nations as well. We just want to pray for something for a God, our our Father, who's bigger than us. It's bigger than just this room, our city, the ninety plus percent of people that don't go to church. That maybe that it would be this year that they say, "I'm going to check out that church, that church that meets at the school." I'm going there in 2019, and you know why? It's because we prayed for that to happen. That God just began to spark a movement, a revival. I'm gonna, I'm gonna demonstrate some of my prayers this morning over to this side of the room there's just too many open chairs here and I want to see them filled amen right and I want to see people start sitting in those chairs and start to discover the gospel and discover their purpose and say you know what I need God so we'll close this time with a time of prayer and a time of worship I'm going to pray and then we'll allow our worship team to lead us into one more song of praise And let that time to be one more moment of singing to God. But also, if you need to come down and pray with a pastor or a leader, feel free to do just that. Um, If you want to just come to the altar, it's open for you to lift your heart to the Lord. So I'm going to pray, and our worship team will take it from there, and we'll close this time out by doing what we're talking about here today. For yours is the kingdom. God, yours is the glory forever and ever and ever God thank you for your son Jesus who lived the perfect life in my place who died the sinner's death my death on the cross where all of our sin would be imputed to him and all of his righteousness transferred to us And that he would die on the cross and go into the grave and be buried, but on the third day would rise again in victory and be triumphant over the grave, and so that we can have victory now in him. So, God, we bring our hearts to you today, and we want to sing to you, and we want to make the worship about you, God. This isn't a performance, this isn't karaoke. This isn't wasting time here singing songs on a screen, but God, may our hearts be worship. May our songs be prayers. May our lives be a big prayer, God. That's communicating to you, God, up and out and in. It's all about you. Come on, church, just join me in singing that. Just say, It's all about you. Just, ch- church, one more time, just say, It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. Forgive us when we've made it about us. God, forgive us when we've made it about us. We're all humble servants at the foot of the cross. And our declaration today on this last weekend of 2018 is it's all about you, Jesus. Don't allow our pride to get in the way of saying it's all about you. If you need to come down and pray with somebody, Take this time to do it. If you want to stand and sing, feel free to stand. If you want to uh, get on your knees, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to just lay completely on the ground before God in prayer and just whatever you, however you want to respond, respond to the Lord as He leads you right now. As we sing this song together, we're down here and we want you to pray and trust God with your heart in this time. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to i'm sorry Lord for the thing i've made and it's all about you and yeah, it it's all about you jesus. one more time i'm coming back lift that up church back to that heart of work this prayer it's all about you. you it is all about you father it's, it's all about, about it's all about you jesus. jesus i'm sorry Lord, for the thing. It's all about you. It's all about you. Let's Jesus. sing that together with no instruments. I'm coming back to the heart of Word. Let's Lift just your join voice all to of the our voices. And it's, it's all about you. you sing it out to your Lord. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. it. When it's all about you, yes. It's all about you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us here this morning. I feel like I know you better because of this morning, God. I feel like I'm closer to you right in this moment because we took time today to lift our hearts to you and to declare it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. May we take that passion and principle into 2019, the reminder that it's all about you and it always will be, that we must decrease and you must increase. I pray that our prayer lives together, not just individually, but together would be deepened because of this moment here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.